Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And so for this week, we begin a new book of the Torah, the middle book, Vayikra, um, which we know as Leviticus. And much of the book contains all of the laws of Korbanod. And as many of you know, I am a vegetarian, so I find reading about the animal sacrifices um, to be a little bit, um, gives makes me a little bit anxious and the willies. But what we wanted to do today is to try to look past the individual details of any one of the sacrifices and try to draw out some meaning from them. Um, one of the interesting things about the Korban note is that, and about the sacrifices, is that we give, are given so much instruction about them, about how to perform them, often told told, no, not quite all the time, but often told why, um, for what purpose we are bringing them, but we don't really have a reason of why. Why specifically material? Why are we bringing our animals? Why are we sacrificing our property? And what does all of this represent? And so sometimes um, we find that in order to, to make sense of it, we go beyond just the exact words on the page and try to derive some greater meaning out of that. And so that's what we are going to be looking at today, specifically for the Korban Mincha. Now, the Korban Mincha is found at the beginning of chapter two of Leviticus. Chapter one goes through the Korban Ola, which is given for, um, it's not exactly explained why it would be given, um, probably because you you missed some kind of a mitzvah. You want to make up for something. You're feeling like you kind of didn't do your best at something. And um, so you want to bring a sacrifice now to acknowledge that. And the first category is animals. Um, we're told first of a behemoth, of cattle. And presumably because they're organized in a hierarchy, what we come to understand is that this also represents a socioeconomic hierarchy. So a wealthy person would bring a cattle and they would um, bring it to the priest at the temple. And then we have nice little details about how the animal is slaughtered and all the fun things you do with its guts and with its blood, etc. And then it's called an ola because um, all of it is burned and goes up to the heavens. Um, the, the priests do not eat any of it. And then, or you can also bring a bird, which, oh, well, then included is also um, a sheep, which is if you can't, if you don't have a bull, but a sheep, you know, still an animal, it's not quite as big as a bull, but it's still an animal. And then we also, you can give turtle doves or pigeons. Um, and so we assume that that would be if you have a little bit less money, you can also bring birds for the same purpose. And then chapter one ends with telling us how that is um, killed and then also burnt up once again on um, all going up to God as a reach nichoach Lashem, a pleasing odor to God. Now then chapter two begins with the mincha. Now, as we said, the mincha is understood to be, the mincha, first of all, is comprised of flour um, with some oil and then some levona, some frankincense. Now we understand it to be the category of ola, korban, that it, for, for someone who cannot afford cattle, cannot afford sheep, and cannot afford birds, right? Someone who is poor, that the only thing that they can afford to bring to the temple is um, what roughly works out to be about a day's worth of flour, of meal. Um, 
So that's what you bring. You bring what you, the amount of flour that you would probably eat in a day and bring that to the temple. Now we would expect that to proceed the same way that the Korbanot in chapter one proceed, that they that he brings it um, and that it's all burnt up. But actually there are two differences in the Korban Mincha that we can I think we can derive a really nice message from that and so I wanted to look at those today so if you are following in a Chumash you can look at the very beginning of chapter 2 of Leviticus so the first thing is that how are we introduced to the Korban Mincha with the other Korban notes um, we are told that it's introduced with Adam Ki Yakriv when a literally a person brings forth wants to offer up an animal to God now we are the introduction of chapter two, verse one is not Adam Kiyakriv. It's actually the Nefesh Kiyakriv Korban Minchala Hashem. When a soul wants to present um, a Korban to God. And then the second point is in verse two, which is that it is brought to um, the Kohanim and they scoop out a little bit of it to burn. And then they actually, in verse three, we're told that the noterat minamincha, the remainder of the meal, will go to the Kohanim. And so, and then they, they actually, they get to consume part of it. So those are the two difference. Venek fishtika kita kriv, that it's a soul, not a person. And then also that the Kohanim get to consume part of the mincha and it's not all burned up for God. So I wanted to look just at, at Rashi, just a, a simple explanation, but one that I think is especially important to consider this week um, in light of everything that is happening in our world. So Rashi somewhat famously says, V'nefesh kitakriv. Why would it say nefesh and not adam? And he says, Lon emar nefesh bechol korbanot nedava, ela b'mincha. That, the, korba, that the, the word nefesh is not used for any of the korbanot of nedava. That's what these korbanot are, the, the um, voluntary offerings. Only for, a min, only for the korban mincha. And then he says, Midar kolehit nadev mincha. Ani. Who is the person who would regularly bring a korban mincha? A poor person, because as we said, it's understood to be a hierarchy. If you had more money, you would bring a bigger animal. And so God sees a poor person is going to bring the mincha because it's less. It's just a cup of flour. Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu said, God, ma'ale ani alav ki'ilu hikriv nafsho. So what does God say when God sees a poor person bringing the day's worth of flour to um, to serve as a korban? He says, God says, "I this is this is such a holy act that I am going. I'm treating it as though he is actually sacrificing his own soul for God." So what this teaches us is that. For these korbanot nedava, these voluntary korbanot, and we said again that that the reason that these were brought um, ends up sort of rabbinically being understood as they are brought, um, maybe, you know, you, you did something, you didn't do it as well as you thought you should have. And so you want to bring an animal, you want to, you want to acknowledge before God, like, hey, I, I could have done better than I did. And so you bring it. And so for, for all of those, that's a great thing to do. But for God, when God sees a poor person who is acknowledging that part of themselves and bringing the korban mincha, God says, ah, 
then that is when I treat it as though the person, um, it, it, as though that poor person is bringing, the, is, is like they're sacrificing their soul, right? They're bringing their full selves. They are making the ultimate sacrifice by taking some of the food that they have, which is in limited supply and offering it to me. So then what is the significance, however, of the fact that the, that the Kohanim then burn some of it, but then they get to consume another part of it? And that is, I think, what, what really rounds that point out, right? The other ones, they get burnt up completely. So why isn't this one burnt up completely? Wouldn't it send the ultimate message to everyone that there's a social equalizing, that it doesn't matter what you can afford? The point is that you take the action and you do it. But what is the significance of the Kohanim then being able to consume that as well? And the significance of that, I think, really lies in um, in just considering for a moment what it means to be able to give to others. Um, being able to give to God is hugely important. And to know that your sacrifice had that reach nichoach, that pleasing smell for God, and all went up to, to that God is amazing. But that is something that really remains between you and God. That is a relation that is an act that strengthens the relationship between a person and his or her creator. What is the significance of a korban of the mincha that has the part that goes up to God that is burned, but also, and it has a reach nichoach in verse two, we're told, um, part of it gets burned as a reach nichoach lashem, as that pleasing smell, but also that goes to help other people as well, that gets to sustain other people. That is an act that not only strengthens the person who's bringing the korban's relationship with their creator, but also strengthens the relationship with their leadership and with their community. And is really then in many ways becomes the ultimate gift that that poor person is able to bring. It's not just about moving up and down about about pleasing God. It's also about, it's an act that strengthens community as well. And I was thinking about this Korban Mincha a lot this week, um, especially, you know, as, as communities the world over, no one has really escaped this, are finding themselves in a time of crisis um, with trying to manage everything from the with the coronavirus in some areas of the world where truly people are dealing with what seems like you know, war zones in terms of how many people are getting sick and in other areas where, thank God, communities have been able to take protective measures and there aren't quite as many emergencies, but there are still people who cannot leave their homes and who need help and who need joy. What we've seen is that by the removal of a physical community, we've seen other people strive to build community. And um, as some have noted, it's really, how do you build community? It's by building relationship with one another. And how do you do that? It's by giving to one another. It is by acts of kindness to one another. And so that when you see that suddenly people are mobilizing and they are bringing their neighbors food and they are bringing um, people who work in hospitals, they're, they're sending pizza over there and they're trying to help one another and organizing community sing-alongs. Every single act of giving is also an act of community building. And I think that that, to, that is really just an amazing, incredible statement about what it means to give, not just to God, but really to give to each other. And I just want to round this out by, by returning to Rashi's comments on the opening on Benefesh Ki Takriv, where he says that it says Nefesh, it says a soul, because when a poor person gives, it's as though they give their whole soul. Why is that? 
I think the, the a big explanation for that would be is that we look at a poor person and we see that they don't really, that they maybe have just enough to sustain themselves, but hardly. And you see someone like that and you think, I would never expect you to give anything of what you have, to give it to God or to give to anyone else. You should be saving it for yourself, right? We expect people who have to give, but we don't really expect it of people who don't have to also give. But here, the ultimate validation of that and the ultimate recognition of the sacrifice a poor person makes when giving part of themselves to God is by saying, well, it's as though they gave everything because all the more so they are really giving. And I want to view that not just as a model of socioeconomic generosity, but really as a model that can apply to everyone in terms of giving when you're expected to give, giving what's expected of you and giving what's not expected of you. Whether we're in a time of crisis or just a time of normalcy, there are always things that are expected of us to give. We're expected to pay taxes. We're expected to do this, do that, or the other, right? Right? There are things that we all say, okay, like we'll check off that list. But then there are other moments of extraordinary generosity when you go beyond what is expected of you and really do something unique. And I think that what we've seen uh, and special and, and, and more above and beyond what anyone would think that you would do. And really, I think that what, <laughs> what we've seen this week are just so many floods of examples of people all over the world taking those exact steps. And that what what we can take from Rashi to apply to this week, to apply to everyone who is just doing so much, so much to help each other, is to know that when we step outside of ourselves and our own worlds and spheres and consider what other people need, um, that that is really as though we are sacrificing our entire souls. And not just that we are sacrificing our entire that we are sacrificing our entire souls just to God, but also that that is the ultimate act of building community, that that is the ultimate act of strengthening relationships, just like the Korban Mincha is the only Korban in this category that is also consumed by the Kohanim. So I wish us a Shabbos of rest, of peace, and most importantly, of health. And may we soon know the end of this disaster and may everyone recover. Shabbat Shalom.